So thank you all for being here. We appreciate it massively. And I saw some questions coming through as we went through. Fire them in. We'll kind of come to you. Um, Scott's wanting whiskey to be passed to him. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, Faith Popcorn is a futurist. Yes, Elizabeth. Um, she's doing a lot of work just now. You see a lot of her work coming through. Um, yeah, all of that's going to happen from an AI perspective. I think the thing is, is that a lot of things about AI, some people are getting surprised at just now, but it was already happening. I think it was just slower. So I think things have just been fast-tracked. And we, we've seen it in organisations. They've managed to turn things around really quickly. Um, and so I think we'll be in a space where um, I was on, there's a really great company, do, 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 she says, remembering their name, Board of Innovation, the low-touch economy are doing some great work. Um, and it's all open source. So I would really, I've said it to a few of you guys on here that are just giving us insights into what is happening in other parts of the world just now. Um, and so I think there are, there, there's many there's many things that were sort of in the back burner that's, that has been accelerated forward. Mm. Um, I would say that. I like um, Jim Higginbotham's um, provocation. He says, who validates the source? I know, I you know, we've that. talked about um, the source of com uh, information. Who validates that critical PowerPoint with huge implications for misuse of power? So that's kind of to your point about the Mad King. It's like our, right. our feeling that somebody might get a hold of this. And, you know, we all got a shock when PewDiePie put his fist bump into 60,000 computers, uh, their printouts um, around the world. And it is that idea of who who does that, who who validates it. And I guess here's my hope, rather than this is what I think, is that in a place of second-tier thinking, we move into a little bit of the dissolution of objectivity in terms of observer and observe. There's, there's us observing there and observe. There's this cyclical nature of consciousness draws up the environment, environment draws up the consciousness. If we're in a world where we need really true and clean information, I'm hoping that our collective consciousness is the thing that says we start to recognize invalid sources of information. And it comes down a little bit almost to your theology of do you believe in the human condition or not? It's like, mm -hmm. do you think we'll get to that point where enough of us will want the real information, the truthful, that it, that it will stand out when it is misused or do we believe that it continues to get darker and that people of kind of orange mean thinking and wanting to get ahead and and achieve that power will misuse that uh that trust will misuse that um need for us to to have that source validated so um yeah i i think it's a great question I, i'm i'm going to choose to be optimistic i kind of believe in the human condition and I think that we'll get to a point where, as a race, we'll recognise that if we don't have clean information, if we don't have valid sources, and if we allow invalid or selfish or small groups of people holding power to run the show, that we'll continue with episodes like the ones we're experiencing right now, like once the environment starts to melt down. Mm -hmm. And so therefore I have a hope that there's been an accentuation of, of consciousness from all of us that will require greater truth. But I don't think there'll be a, somebody will need to oversee and then somebody will need to oversee. I think we'll have to find a different way of doing it to the traditional blue and orange. We're going to have to move on from that. I feel that. I think there's um, 
an emergence of that coming through. I think that it was there already, but it's just kind of exemplified it. So it's magnified it. And Shona's asking, how well equipped do you feel leaders are to embrace this new space, both individually and the burden of responsibility many of them feel for their teams and businesses? Great question. I think that there, I think there's pockets of, I think there are people that are equipped. I think it feels like a lot of people have been upgraded. It's like they've been plugged in. And they've got like they've gone up to level five and you're just like oh hi where, where did you come from um so i think that that is happening i think that people are listening more shona i think that um i think people are listening more to that emergent thinking and because we don't the structures have gone and the ways of doing things have gone and so i think there's an opportunity whilst we're kind of in a holding pattern just now kind of feels like we should have hold music in the background because it just feels that there's just this sort of limbo element that is happening because there are opportunities for us to listen in a kinder and more generous way i think people are checking in on how people feel and actually waiting for the answer you know at the start of zoom calls people are like hey how are you doing how are you feeling what's going on it's not have you done the report um i think there are some personality types that are struggling i think those that and we've spoken about this jim that heads behind a PowerPoint deck or a paper or a spreadsheet are finding it slightly challenging. I think there's certain personality types from uh, that enjoy power and status are finding this current situation challenging. Sweeping generalization in terms of personality types, but I think that's coming through. So I think there's there, and here's the rub. <laughs> we need we need strength right now. I've said to a few of the peeps that I'm talking to is that leadership is appropriate cheerfulness right now. <laughs> it's about standing in a good space and it's about being um, aware of what people are going through, but giving people strength, people need strength because I think this is just a dry run. This is a yeah. dry run for what's coming. This is a warm up. I hate to say it because I think other things are coming that this has given us a chance to really hone in our leadership skills for us yeah. to really be aware of how we hold this and how we, so there's a boundedness that we have, but we allow things like an organism, we allow things to join up. Um, and I think that is, is ever more required because I think we are in a space of holy mac macaroni, what is going on, but it's, it's the warm up. Interesting question here from John McVeigh as well, which says, how honest do we want our leaders in communications or source data? Should we know everything? Can we handle it all? How do we rebuild trust when we have started to doubt? Kirsty, I think this is to your point about there's maybe room for the ego again. Mm. Um, I coach a, a, a very high public profile individual. And um, I came out of one of our sessions to be invited into a side room by a man called Nigel, apparently, who um, told me that given the security clearance level of this individual, I, there would be a special interest in perhaps my own internet usage um, and stuff over the next little while. And I said, oh, interesting. Now you, uh, he said, don't worry about it. He said, we're not interested in your porn profile or anything. I was like, what do you mean porn profile? I was like, <laughs> like who's been using my computer? And uh, he said, no, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a security term. It's an intelligence term. He says, we're not interested in that. We're not even interested in illegality. We're not interested in any of that stuff. We're just interested in terrorist activity. I was like, okay, 
Mm. And um, I said, are you telling me that that's about to happen or are you tell me it's already happened? And he was like, well, that would be indiscreet. So um, I realized that that's kind of part of the gig. And, and he said, mm. just continue as usual. Just be a human being and, and use the internet as you would ever use it and just don't even think. He said, it's professional folks. And I think that there will have to be something where there will be increased uh, transparency, there will be increased openness. But I also think what will come with that is that leaders and also people who are in trusted positions will also just have to understand the light and shadow nature of the human condition better and not freak out yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's kind of like where we're at. And so in moving along the AI line, we're going to have to move along intelligence about human beings and how we work and how we put on a front and how we have an idealized ego image on show and how there's a shadow behind it and that everybody has that and we don't get hooked and neither do you get anxious or neither do you get worried about it it's like but you just take responsibility increasingly for the quality of information you're pumping into the system and you take responsibility for self-knowledge about how that's affecting you we take boundaries to our mind and what we put in and also I think this is teaching us a lot about boundaries about asking for things and asking for what we want um, and realizing what we need I love Scott's question who will be our cultural gatekeepers of the new world mm. <sighs> you know the phrase that comes to me is um, I don't know the full poem but it's from the Hopi Indians we're the ones that we've been waiting for mm. And I think people are stepping up and I think people are having great conversations. And I think we could be, all of us, collectively having deeper conversations, being kinder to one another. As Elizabeth says, her hello rate has gone up and people want to connect. I think people are in a space of connection rather than impressing. And yeah. that's, that's the place that we're sitting in just now. Yeah, I agree. And supporting, I think getting support in ways that we never did before. I've never been this vulnerable on a online thing before, like laying out that I had psoriasis because of my level of my anxieties, laying out how we felt right at the beginning, Kirsty, when we were both saying empty don't, diaries. Don't say the words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, where we were no longer essential. Um, and we kind of learned that stuff. I think... Um, and so it wasn't the absence of fear. And this is a bit I'm enjoying, which says, James Farrell's saying, I'm intrigued by the amount of courage that leaders will need to make this transition, moving away from the traditional and embracing the new and the now. Mm. It's like, don't confuse courage with the absence of fear. The absence of fear isn't courage. The absence of fear is brain damage. Um, courage is about being with your fear and being with your anxiety. You know, Kirsty and I both had, have had second thoughts about being as transparent or should we do these things? And, yep. and we've, we've had to talk it through and, and we, we know each other well enough to discuss shadow and, and how we feel about things and, and what might happen. Um, so this will not be without fear, but if we understand human beings better, we'll realize that fear has a legitimate seat at the table. Mm. It's okay for it to be there. It is vigilance. It, it's, um, it keeps us humble. And um, it means that we don't brazenly go into something thinking that we've got all the rights. And so I, I think that there will have to be courage, but it won't be characterized by the absence of fear. We're going to have to learn how to be with it, wield it, and do the right thing by it. Yeah. 
I've, um, I, I love all the comments about how, so Mark is saying, I think we've had access to a quick rewrite when it comes to the commercial and leadership rules. A hundred percent, Mark. I think that there's some people that are really worried about that because there's no script anymore. Um, and then there's some people that are, re that are reordering because of the disorder, <laughs> they're reordering. And, and, our, and I think there's, there's freedom in the lack of choice that we've had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, even going for a coffee. It's like how many, I think I saw Damien earlier, he says there's like 263, <laughs> 263 decisions we make on a daily basis about food. You know, I know we're all up in our intake right now. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but just, you know, we have so many choices to make. And so that taking away those choices has given us freedom. And I think freedom to reassess, freedom for us to rewrite the script, for us to reevaluate, for us to um, recognize ourselves. And I think that's why we've talked about shadow a few times because stuff has come up. You know, I've met my shadow lurking around the corner in many different situations over the last few weeks but now I'm saying hey come in and realize that it's so I've done a lot of work in myself through this process and recognizing it and that's the it's holding the wholeness and being comfortable with the wholeness of the human beings. John Adams is asking a question there about um, if we're speaking our honesty if we're speaking our wholeness and what we've got is a whole load of anxiety and fear is that kind of counterproductive to be bilging that over the top of your team? Mm. You know, like bleh, letting them have it. And I think, um, yes, I know. So this is where second tier thinking, which is paradoxical, has to come in, which is the and, which is on the one hand, you need to show some level of authentic vulnerability and you as a human being so that you're role modeling what you want to see from them. And paradoxically, you need to give a good report. Mm. Leaders, need, leaders need to give a good report. They need to be able to um, frame things in a way that has vision and hope and direction and where we're going to. And so there still has to be the balance between the two. You don't want to be turning your teams into therapy sessions and then all of you just kind of like leap hand in hand off the top of the building together. That's kind of counterproductive as well. What, 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 what you're wanting is a leader to hold that space and it is a new level of consciousness, which is I'm both vulnerable and I'm giving a report that has intentionality for a preferred future. And yeah. so being able to do both at the same time, that's another example of second tier thinking in leaders. It's the and, it's a paradoxical, rather than it's just a kind of clean cut, singular way of doing it. Yeah. And it is, it's hard, isn't it, to hold that tension. But I think if you, if you have it as your default, is to sit in the and space, it's really powerful. Um, and I think a lot of this is, it feels new, but I think a lot of this new world thinking and emergent thinking was just latent within us. You know, it's not like all of a sudden we've, ah, and we're thinking of a new way. I think it was latent within us and, and we've just brought it to the, the forefront. Um, and we're seeing people hold it and grasp it really well. Um, we're seeing some people that struggle, but this is a huge mahusive <laughs> gigantic opportunity this is massive for us to this is a portal this is a pause this is a liminal space this is uh and i think you know it's just those two words even if you don't know the answer it's those two words of not this you know, I don't, I don't know the answer for all of the things from a leadership perspective. I've got a heck of a lot of a huge ideas, but I know it's not this or not that. 
And that's why I react against the notion of new normal. I don't want a new normal. I wanted something exciting and emergent and delicious and whole and human. That's what I'm after. And I think that I think it's possible. Yeah. We're getting asked about that possibility. Justin Blake's asking, how do we create the conditions for transformational change? In, oh, somebody put their thing on mute. Maybe want to ask We're hearing a child's voice coming. Somebody put their stuff on mute. There we go. Um, how do we create the conditions for transformational change in culture, society, and our environment, all working together in alignment for global good and humanity? Um, yeah, one of those Monday. ones. I think a future Miss World would have the answer to that one. Um, <laughs> do you know what it is? I think it is, um, it really is this macro and micro together. We've got to, we can no longer ignore global issues but also we can't allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by what we can't do about it. And so I think we have to take our, and we're going to talk, Kirsty and I are going to talk a little bit more about this on uh, Friday, but we have to take our examples from nature mm. and how they do it. And so fractals would be what I'd be thinking about here, which is how do you take a, a, a fractal basically as a repeating pattern. Um, a cauliflower is a fractal. Take a floret, you've got a miniature cauliflower, a little bit, miniature cauliflower, load of cauliflowers, clump them together, great big cauliflower. So it doesn't matter big or small, it's the same pattern. And what we've got to do is find what are those global patterns going on and how do we translate it to our teams in a microcosmic way? How do we say this is what that means for us? And rather than worrying about changing the whole world, we have to be available to listen to what's going on in the wider world. But we just have to light some bushfires locally. We just need to experiment locally with our own little bushfires within our teams and see if we can start a movement, start something moving in the right direction. And so that's the bit I'd say that the, the, the real skill, the capability for leaders coming up is those global issues being translated into something for your organization and your business the global issues your business is facing being handled at a local issue. But we can't uh, just create those silos. And there was one other question about how do you do that? And, and the thing about silos is the only way you're going to get rid of silos is by first of all, accepting them. They exist for a reason. And once you understand why they're there, you can then transcend that. But for as long as you just make them wrong and try and do initiatives that batter against them, they will resist but actually taking that microcosmic view and starting to look at why are our silos in place, what is it they're defending, mm. and then taking care of that, I think we can start to make some progress. And it's doing the work in yourself, isn't it? Because this brings up stuff for us. You know, it brings up parts of the ego, it brings up parts of the shadow. I think spiral is great because it shows us what emotions are existing in all of the different levels. And if we are open to understanding ourselves and take responsibility for that, I think it'll lend itself to different conversations. But it is about taking responsibility, massively so. Um, Matt was saying, I love the statement you made, Kirsty, this is a dress rehearsal. It's, it's a frightening statement, though, but it is a dry run, right? Um, what three trends and opportunities do you see emerging in 2021 post-COVID-19? And what books are you both reading at the minute? Um, trends is about... 
so the acceleration of, uh, of AI, of technology, that was already in existence. Um, so even in terms of from a sporting perspective, we had Formula, is it, it's not Formula E, I don't know, but it's, it's the game in Formula One. So that's been in existence for three years. And so we're going to see more of that happening in other, um, in other sporting um, places. I think communication is going to be really interesting um, in terms of, I even got asked the question last week, how do you communicate and create a great customer experience whilst you wear a mask? Mm. And you've got PPE on. How do you create an engaging and collaborative and joyful space on Zoom? You know, and, and I think we've spoken about this. There, I know myself, I'm being more, I'm using more jazz hands. I'm doing, I'm, I'm creating more energy and it, it does take it out of you. But I think it's about being really intentional about how we communicate. And so I think there's going to be different ways to communicate. Um, you know, sign language will come through in, in terms, so I think there'll be lots of different elements there. And it will be, you know, talk about in the low touch economy, it's going to change a lot of our behaviours about, I think we're going to see a lot of trends in how we are entertained. Mm. You know? One of the trends I've seen recently from a lot of the medium-sized companies I've worked with is people saying the same thing to me, which is we've found a new business that looks like it's going to completely overshadow what we did before COVID-19. Um, construction businesses finding um, internet access to small villages as lucrative. Um, uh, People who had vehicles using them for supplies and other things that people need. So I think there's that. And for me, I'm reading a book called The Binder at the moment, which is a fiction book because I feel like I'm living a book. I'm living an education the whole time. And actually, I, I just want to stay awake to what I'm picking up here. And so therefore, when I'm reading, I'm reading to get a break from it and just enjoy a story. Yeah, I'm reading a lot more murder, which can only be said <laughs> in a Scottish accent. Murder. Um, so a lot of murder and also... Um, is a very different book to the to anything that I would know is Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which is really interesting. Um, I'd really recommend. I recommended it to someone who's on this call, and I'm I'm relooking at Spiral. Uh, I'm getting deeper into it because it, it has assisted me, um, and I want it. I want my understanding to be deeper because we are living it. I want my understanding to be deeper so I can help other people because I think it's a great model. Um, and a great insight for us. Great. Um, so we're just coming up to half past. I think we've got, uh, hey Vanessa, I've seen kindness and bravery taking a lead in the last two months. Holy magnitude, oh yes. And, and I think that's my, um, that <laughs> I have a slight fear that we forget, going back to Arundhati Roy's poem, that we, I, I want us to ensure that we remember the kindness and we remember the bravery. And it wasn't for just now. It wasn't just for that pandemic we went through in 2020. I want us to know that that was with inside us all along and that was available to us all along. And we can be kinder and we can be braver and we can be courageous and we can be compassionate and we can be loving and we can lead. 
all of those things exist together. Um, and, and that's why, you know, if you guys have got any ideas on how we hold on to it, then please let me know. I'm working on a, on a couple of options, but I am I'm holding dear to the fact that we remember that because we could go into a really holistic and integral and delightful and exciting place, even though the pandemic has hit and even though a, a horrible thing has happened. Um, but I think there, I think that is a possibility for us to walk into. And as Jim says, I think we've been invited there. <laughs>